Good evening, this is Glenn Sertival, speaking from Met Radio in Toronto, 12.80 a.m. I'm the host of a show called Politics Plus, and I'm delighted to have my guest here, Gary Picken, a noted businessman from Toronto. He has an interesting life story. I'm looking forward to having this discussion with him starting right now. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? Pretty good, Glenn. All the best to you, yeah. and uh, season's greetings to you and yours, and uh, I hope uh, the holidays play out well for you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the kind words. Okay, you've, um, you've had a, an interesting life, Gary, but you don't like you to share it with us. And tell us, um, uh, were you born in Toronto? Yeah, I was born in Toronto in 1950. I'm 73 years old. Oh. Yeah. You look very young for your age. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, you look great. Okay, so you're born in 1950 in Toronto. Um, how many brothers did you have? I had three brothers uh, and myself, so uh, we had a family of four. Mm -hmm. And um, there was... Uh, breakup in my family and uh, uh, when my mother and father uh, separated uh -huh. I was placed in an orphanage uh -huh. and uh, from about the age of three and I stayed there until about the age of ten and I was farmed out to my aunt and uncle just myself and, and two other brothers because I have a younger brother I have two younger brothers but the youngest one was too young to get into the home, uh, into the orphanage, so my aunt and uncle adopted him. Uh, but we still see him today, and uh, he's doing very well. So uh, I stayed at the home for about seven years, and then uh, I went to live in the country with my aunt and uncle. And then I stayed there for about two years, and then my mother got us back. She got three of us back, my two brothers and myself, and um, we lived in Toronto, and uh, I, I came to, to like Toronto and and uh, lived in it ever since. Uh, went to school in Toronto, University in Toronto, <clears throat> and um, that's pretty well the, the background of how I got here. All right, see, I understand um your older brother was a successful policeman. Yeah, he was uh, in anti-rackets for the OPP for 30 years. And when he retired, he got a job with the uh, uh, Workman's Comp as an investigator. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was an auxiliary policeman for a while. Yeah. Uh, but that only lasted a, a year or two. And I got married and, mm -hmm. and moved on. And well, did you not... Uh, on your police service, you did give society. Didn't you have a sign to protect the queen when she came to on a visit, state visit? Well, I was one of the guards. Uh, we were um, situated along the parade route, and she was to walk by. And um, yeah, she was no more than ten feet away. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't resist sneaking a look at her, mm -hmm. and she looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. And. Um, uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the better details that I had, but uh, usually just uh, 
uh, Patrol 31 Division, Jane and Finch. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you make any arrests? Oh, yes, we were making arrests at the time. There was always somebody breaking the law. Mm -hmm. But it's it wasn't as busy as it is today. Uh, the fellows that work a seven and seven today, a seven, uh, they work seven days and get seven days off. Their call sheet is is always going. Mm -hmm. They're always go go go. We were lucky if the radio went off uh, once an hour uh, when we were patrolling Jane and Finch. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess as a a police officer with two years' experience, you know the difference between justifiable police violence and unjustifiable police violence. Did you ever engage in justifiable police violence? Uh, no, I never had a occasional uh, occasion to uh, uh, to uh, get involved in that. Um, the closest we came that I came to uh, any violence was a bar fight at the mm -hmm. Beverly Hills, the old Beverly Hills Hotel. Mm -hmm. and of course, by the time we got there, it had broken up and mm -hmm. people had dispersed. But uh, basically, uh, Jane and Finch was a good area to patrol back then. Mm -hmm. uh, we had very few problems. And as I say, the radio only went off about once an hour. So we respond to uh, Anything that happened, um, we dealt with sudden deaths and uh, uh, break-ins or false alarms going off. How about domestics? Yes, we, we had got a few of those. Mm -hmm. uh, but back then we just tried to de-escalate the relationship between the man and the woman and de-escalate the situation and um, uh, get them to calm down. Mm -hmm. And I only had one occasion where we were called to a domestic and uh, the woman was threatening the man, the husband, and uh, we got them calmed down, but a half an hour later we got called back because uh, uh, she had stabbed him all, so we had to arrest her. And did he survive? Yes, yeah, he did, yeah. I see. Was she convicted, or did they make a peace bond? Or? No, they made a peace bond eventually. That's oh. what happened with them. That's good. Try to uh, get them to uh, uh, to keep the peace. Yeah. You know. Good. Well, I'm glad it turned out that way. Better than a conviction. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, now the other thing is um, the Jane and Pinch area has a bad reputation today, does it not? What, what, what years did you serve that area? Uh, in uh, 73, 74. And um, uh, it was quite peaceful then. There were no bars on the windows as there are today. Uh, people bar up their windows mm -hmm. and it has a reputation as... Uh, a dangerous place to be. Yeah, but with the drug, drug culture. Yes. And uh, the violence, you know, you have to be careful. York University's in that area, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, I went to York starting in 74. Uh, yeah. And I was there until uh, almost 78. Mm -hmm. I, I got my BA there. <laughs> and um, I understand after that, you, you became one of the top salesmen for Imperial Tobacco, is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed my time there, but uh, uh, the, I just got to the point after five years where the job wasn't fun for me anymore, you know, and uh, I wanted to move on, and I did, and uh, um, went through a stretch of uh, unemployment until I found out what I wanted to do, and eventually wound up in the moving business. Yes. Now, at that time, this is just prior to your experience, which you'll shortly get to, uh, would you, uh, looking back <coughs> on your life, <coughs> pardon me, at that time, consider yourself to have been in the past lane? Yes, very much so, yeah. Once I um, got out of university and got into uh, uh, working for this multinational, uh, they did everything first class and that carried over into my life mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I was a single gentleman at the time and uh, uh, I went out to bars every night. I had a favorite, I had a few favorite haunts, you know, and I'd meet other policemen there and I had other friends there. Uh, it was like a second home for me. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think, uh, if I may be so bold to ask, I think you suffered a little bit of a, a drinking problem. Oh yeah, I did, yeah. I, uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I did, uh, um, at first anyway, I, I was a, a functional alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I could still go to work every day, mm -hmm. but even at lunchtime at work I would whip into Hemingway's on in Yorkville, mm -hmm. on Cumberland, and uh, I'd spend the afternoon there, and then I'd... Um, a liquid lunch. A liquid lunch, yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a few friends in that bar, too. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, then I'd uh, whip over to uh, the Red Lantern on Burton Street, and mm -hmm. I, I would close the place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I basically did that seven days a week. They are toward your finances. Oh yes, oh yeah. There was always money was always tight, even though I was extremely well paid, mm -hmm. and and um, uh, I just did everything first class: uh, restaurants, uh, clothes, mm -hmm. uh, my personal life, whatever I, I needed, I seemed to get. Mm -hmm. So, well, it seems that it's actually had a a pretty good time to do bottom out in any way. Would you like to share that with us? Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, I went through uh, um, uh, a, a few, I had a few problems that were fueled by um, uh, the alcohol and and, uh, and I didn't know, but it, it snuck up on me. And uh, I remember one day walking down the street and I ran into an old girlfriend and she said to me, how's it going? And for once I, I told the truth. I just said, I, I can't take this anymore. And she immediately said to me, well, you must go and see my friend. He works in that building over there. He's a psychologist. So uh, just to get her off my back, uh, I had her give me his phone number and she said, you better call him. He said, if you don't, I'm going to hound you until you do. So when, when we parted ways, I found a phone box and, and I called him. 
And I told him, I'm a friend of Joanne's and, and uh, I'm very confused. It had gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, you better get over here right away. I was lucky because one doctor could take you in right away, even, even in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went over there and, and uh, he made me a cup of coffee and told me to tell my story. And he wrote feverishly for about two hours. And then he said, I have to stop you there. I have another uh, patient that I have to see. I said, but what do you think? And he said, well, I think you're a very intelligent man, but you're also a, you, ha you have a 100% alcoholic uh, personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, that needs to be fixed. And then he reached into his desk drawer and he pulled out an AA meeting book. And he said, I want you to do 90 meetings in 90 days, and then come back and see me. And uh, we can take it from there. Oh. So I, I, I went, I, I, I didn't go to AA immediately. It took one or two weeks to kind of, you know, I was afraid to step through the doors. But I eventually did go to a meeting and and uh, uh, I liked it, mm -hmm. and uh, I went to more meetings. Anyway, at the end of three months, uh, I went back to see him, and he said, so did you do 90 meetings in 90 days like I told you to? I said, no. And he said, I didn't think he would. I said, I did 120. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he said, it went, it went that well for you. And I said, I yeah, re really like the program, you know, so. Uh, uh, I was uh, going to AA, I joined a group and, and went through the 12 steps and uh, uh, eventually found my footing again. Uh, prior to, or just prior to getting AA involved, you did have a, a dramatic encounter with the higher power on, yeah. Your, yeah. on your balcony in your yeah. apartment. Uh, tell us all about that. Yeah, okay, so uh, um, I was still working uh, for Imperial Tobacco at the time, and uh, I always felt like um, I was walking on eggshells. I didn't know what was going to go wrong next, but I was trying to prepare myself for it. And uh, I remember going home one day uh, to my apartment and uh, I opened the door and all these bills had been passed through the door addressed to me and MasterCard and Visas and Canadian Tire and all the rest of them and um, I, I knew I couldn't afford to pay them at, at, the, at the time and uh, that I was in serious financial trouble having difficulty at this time because I was just spending so much money and um, I, I got upset when I saw all these bills, nothing but bills, no uh, personal letters or anything, just nothing but bills. I got very, very angry. And I remember cursing a bit, whatnot. And then I didn't know this was going to happen to me, but I walked over to the uh, fruit bowl on the, on the kitchen table and I picked up an orange and I imagined God's face on the far wall mm -hmm. and I started to curse him out and mm -hmm. saying you gave me the, such a rotten life 
and this is what I think of you and your life. And I whipped that orange. I imagined his face on the wall, and I whipped that orange at him. And the next thing, of course, the orange fell to the floor, but as it fell to the floor, I felt this wave of love wash over me. What was that? And, and I thought, oh, it's nothing, forget it. Uh, so I continued to curse and swear and kick at the furniture and knock things over. And um, then I remember uh, kicking the balcony door open and it seemed to vibrate violently. But anyway, I walked out onto the balcony and as I approached the, the, the railing, I, I didn't know if I was going to jump or not. But Well, I thought you had to decide to jump. Yeah, well, it, it was in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. it, you're, you're still very, very iffy. But as I approached that, that railing, I heard a voice say, talk to me. It, it was pleading. Mm -hmm. not, not, not like, hey, buddy, talk to me. It was, talk to me. And, and I thought, well, oh, the neighbors must have kicked the door down and learned who's being murdered because I was so loud and mm -hmm. swearing and everything. And so, uh, I ignored the voice, but I went back into the apartment from room to room shouting, who's there, who's there? And of course, no one was there. So I decided to go out to the balcony again. And as I approached the railing, the voice said a second time, talk to me. And, and uh, it, was, it was still pleading. And I said to myself, okay, you can fool me once, but you can't fool me twice. I definitely heard a voice that time. I was standing at one end of the balcony and this voice was coming from the other end of the balcony. Mm. But the third time he didn't plead with me, he just said, talk to me, pray. And I thought, well, geez, I haven't prayed in 30 years. I don't know what to say, but I can afford two minutes. I can, you know, before I decide what to do, I can afford a couple of minutes. So I went inside and I sat down on a chair that hadn't been tipped over and, uh, I, I, I didn't know this was going to happen, but I remember uh, clasping my hand over my forehead and bowing my head, and, and all I said was, Dear God, help me. And all of a sudden, boom, uh, I, I felt this presence in the room. It was invisible, but I, I felt the presence in the room. A spirit was standing there, maybe five or ten feet away from me as I was sitting in this chair. and. But the, the strange thing that happened, the minute I said, dear God, help me, I went from utter despair to sheer ecstasy in, in a nanosecond. I just knew everything was going to be all right and I was going to be taken care of and whatnot. So um, I wanted to ask the spirit or whoever it was, the angel or whatever, I wanted to ask him some questions, but he, he didn't, he just, stood back and seemed to, I didn't see him because I couldn't see anyone there, but I could sense him just stand back and cross his arms and say, yeah, this guy's going to be all right. And he, he took off. He, he walked off the balcony into thin air, you know? So uh, the experience was so special to me. I, I, I couldn't believe what, what had happened. I wanted to spend the whole night in that room. Uh, to see if he would come back, maybe. Yeah. And and uh, so I did. I slept on the couch in that room. And I w when I fell asleep, I fell into a dream. Uh -huh. And 
In this dream, I found myself in heaven. Only this time I was invisible, and the angel that saved me could be, I could see, see him clearly. He was walking down the street, and uh, so I followed him, and he got to a large building with about a hundred steps that went up to the front door, and two or three other angels stopped him in the street and said, does he know about us? And the angel said, yes. And then I just felt myself leave heaven. Just, I, you know, I, that was so special for me, you know, to mm -hmm. even that, that after uh, uh, effect that I had. Uh, it, it kind of changed my life. I, I wound up in the seminary and uh, uh, worked on my uh, MDiv for a couple of years. But uh, then I had to support myself, so I was uh, with my university degree driving a truck and eventually got into the movie business. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I'll tell you now, um, uh, this higher power that we talk about in AA, yeah. that higher power is my best friend today. There is no, nothing you can say or do to command the spirit to be present. But you can talk to him every day. I often tell people, don't forget to phone home. Yeah. That means talk to him. Yes. You know, in the morning you should ask for help and give thanks at night. Mm -hmm. And you should help other alcoholics too, you know, if you can. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's what I do. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm glad of it, you know. I, I feel very, very blessed. And uh, I'm retired now. and. I found a place to live uh, that was uh, reasonable, rent, and uh, I just have everything I need. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 quite happy about that. They still work the program of AA. Well, I I work it. I mean, I was in the program. Uh, went twice a week to open meetings, and then closed meetings. That happened twice a week, and then I went to other meetings mm -hmm. to see people get their medallions, but yeah, you still, you still work the program. <laughs> After 30, 30, 30 years, 35 years, it's kind of like uh, drilled India, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, uh, I do the best I can every day. And I just have a couple of rules. Behave yourself and be nice to the guy beside you, yeah. you know, because uh, we live in a very litigious society, and people are suing people, or yeah. or resorting to violence yeah. uh, to solve their arguments. You you've got to be very very careful. Like I found out, <clears throat> the, the the doctor told me too because I saw him all oh, once a month for for thirty years. Uh, he said you have an intermittent explosive personality. Mm -hmm. You know you you've got to get a handle on that. Uh, anger, remember one thing, anger is just one letter away from danger. And if you lose your temper, you've already lost the battle. Uh, your job should be to de-escalate the, the situation and, and you don't have to agree with the fella the, uh, uh, in front of you, but uh, de-escalate it and, and, and move on. So that's, that's what I try to do. I don't want to uh, cause any trouble. Oh, that's 
good. Now, as a result of this encounter you had, has that um, removed from you all fear of death? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, um, those folks on the other side, as I call it, um, are, are filled with love. They're not judgmental. They want the best for you. And, and uh, so um, I, I trust in them. And uh, I, uh, I don't seem to have a problem with it. Uh, as far as uh, death goes, I, I'm not afraid of that either. Death is nothing more than a rebirth into another world. And uh, uh, as uh, one child told me, uh, when he passed away and had his near-death experience, he went to heaven and uh, met Jesus, and um, uh, and he met his grandfather and whatnot. They said, you have to go back, it's not your time yet. And he went back, and his message to his parents was, uh, uh, heaven is real and you're gonna like it so uh, I, I just based on what I saw in my dream I'm, I'm going to like it too I consider myself a soldier in his army today I'm only a private and a private is all uh, probably all I'll ever be but that's a high enough rank for me you know mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do whatever he wants whenever he wants, for as long as he wants. Um, I like to try to repay uh, some of what I think I owe him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, today I'm, I'm, I just feel blessed and I'm, I'm quite happy to uh, uh, help people when I can. I have, yeah. I have two friends living with me now that are having problems uh, finding a place to live, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I, I'm, it, you know, it gets tough once in a while. But I'm, I'm only too happy to assist them. You know, that's a nice attitude. Well, yeah, I found out oh, a couple, three days ago that they found a place to live. So mm -hmm. uh, they'll, they'll be moving there shortly, and uh, I'll have the place back to myself again. <laughs> So I can concentrate on my book. I've been doing writing for some time, mm -hmm. and uh, it took years to learn how to write. I mean, you may have your university degree and whatnot, but uh, there's a way to tell a story, and and you have to learn how to do that yes. to keep the reader interested in, in, in what you're doing. So that's what I do. Oh, I'm very glad for you. Well, thank you very much for sharing us your experience with us, Gary. It's been very edifying talking to you. Oh, great, Glenn. Perhaps we'll do this again. Oh, for sure, definitely, anytime. But more power to you. Yeah, God bless you richly. You too. Take care. Okay. Glenn Sortable from Politics Plus, signing off. Have a good day, everybody. Bye.